Welcome to the Fairfax Church Podcast. We're a community in Fairfax, Virginia, following Jesus. We upload new messages every week, and to learn more about us, visit us at fairfax.cc. Enjoy the message. So we're in the second week of this series uh, called Fear Not. And I mentioned last week, as you read through the biblical account of the Christmas story, you discover that fear plays this uh, significant role in the lives of all of the characters of the Christmas story. And in the midst of all these fears, there's this singular message that we get reminded of over and over again. Fear not, fear not, fear not, fear not, because Jesus is Emmanuel, God with us. So fear not, because Jesus is Emmanuel. Fear not. Because the God of the universe has arrived on the scene, has taken on flesh and entered into this world. So fear not, fear not because into a world filled with uncertainty and, and, uh, and a lack of hope, hope has literally been born into this world. So fear not, that's the message that we get from Christmas over and over and over again. And during this series, we're looking at a number of these different characters in the Christmas story, and we're seeing how the gospel speaks directly to not only their greatest fears, but our greatest fears. And last week, we looked at the story of Zachariah and Elizabeth, and this week, we're looking at the story of Mary. Now, a lot of you are familiar with Mary's story, but let me just give a little context for the verse that we're gonna be looking at. The context is this, Mary is a teenager who is engaged to be married. She's kept herself sexually pure and is dreaming of of getting married. She's dreaming of having a home of her own, of starting a family. And then, unexpectedly, God breaks in and asks her to trust him to do the impossible in her life. And the passage that we're gonna look at is a passage that is often referred to as the Annunciation. It's it's where the angel Gabriel comes to Mary and announces to her this absolutely unfathomable thing that is going to happen to her, that while she's still a virgin, she's going to conceive. And the narrative begins this this way. In the sixth month, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. And the angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Now, Mary's initial response to being visited by an angel of God is not necessarily what you would anticipate or expect. We're told this is her response in verse 29. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. Now the Greek word that's translated wondered there is legizomai. And legizomai is, it basically, it's the word from which we get logic. It, it literally means it's to be logic, it's to think logically about something. 
It is to analyze something, which makes sense because Mary's trying to figure out, she's trying to analyze, she's trying to think logically about why in the world an angel of the Lord would come to her, a poor teenage girl in a male-dominated society, and tell her that she is highly favored by God. Like it doesn't make sense to her. It is not logical to her. She cannot connect those dots. And as Mary like continues to process all of this, this is what the angel tells her. But the angel said to her, do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will be with child, give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus. And he will be great, and he will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. His kingdom will never, ever end. Now what the angel says to Mary actually doesn't clear things up for Mary. Like everything that he just said to her, it actually fills her with more fear and it fills her with more questions about the implications of what it is. Like there's a lot of implications. This verse that we are somewhat familiar with, there's a lot of implications if you're on the receiving end of the message. And she's on the receiving end of the message and it raises lots of fears and lots of questions. What will I tell my parents? What are people gonna say behind my back? What will happen to my reputation? Will Joseph even want to stay with me? And the list of questions and the fear just goes on and on. And then she asked the obvious next question. The logical question. The question that, that makes sense as you're trying to reason out everything that's happening. How will this be? Mary asked the angel. Since I am a virgin, how will this be? Now, at least for a moment, if you think that probably it was easier for Mary to accept all of this stuff that the angel is saying to her than it would be for you to accept it because she lived back in the day. She lived in the ancient world where they didn't have all of the scientific data that we have now. If you think it would be like way easier for Mary to accept this and embrace this and understand it than it would be for you to embrace it and understand it, you would be wrong. Because as a Jew, Mary had a belief system and a worldview that was absolutely antithetical to everything that the angel was saying. Like your doubt, if you were confronted with something like this, your doubt would be rooted in science. Her doubt was rooted in a Jewish worldview that simply did not have a theological framework that would allow for the possibility of God taking on flesh and becoming a human being. So Mary has some serious doubts. But they aren't doubts that are rooted in cynicism, they aren't doubts that are rooted in pride. In fact, 
it wasn't even so much doubt in what God could do. Like her doubt wasn't so much what God was able to do or what was possible for God to do. It was doubt that was rooted in the fear that maybe she wouldn't be up for the task. It was doubt that was rooted in the fear that that she would not be able to accomplish all the things that she was being asked to accomplish. It was doubt that was rooted in the fear that she was not going to be able to navigate this really messy sounding kind of situation that is not the way that she saw her life going, that she would not be able to navigate this unexpected turn of events that she is now facing in her life. Like that's the doubt that she has. Now look at how God, through the angel, responds to her doubts. The angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High, God, will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. And even Elizabeth, your relative, this is the Elizabeth that we talked about last week, Zachariah and Elizabeth, who found out when she was 80 that she was pregnant. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age. And she who was said to be barren is in her sixth month, for nothing is impossible with God. For nothing is impossible with God. Now, here's the thing that we often miss in that. Like we, a lot of us are familiar with that phrase. And, and, and maybe we use that phrase and we say that phrase. And, and, and we think about like something that God needs to do that's extraordinary. And we say, well, nothing is impossible with God. Like God can do whatever God wants to do. Nothing is impossible with God. But here's what we often miss in this passage. When the angel says nothing is impossible with God, he's not just saying that there are no limits on what God can do. That's the thing that we usually focus on. Like God can do anything. Like God can, can, raise, the, can raise the dead. God can heal the sick. God can accomplish the miracle of a virgin birth. Nothing is impossible with God. With God, all things are possible. And all of that is absolutely true. And we proclaim it, and we sing about it, and we depend on it. Our lives, we live our lives in a way that depends on the reality of that. But the angel is saying more to Mary than that. He is not just saying to Mary that God can give you a baby even though you're still a virgin. Because nothing is impossible with God. He is also saying, don't be afraid, Mary. Because you are absolutely up to the task. Like you're going to be able to accomplish everything that God is wanting you to accomplish. You're going to be able to navigate through all of this stuff that now you never saw that you were going to have to navigate through. And now there's all of this stuff that you're being told that you're going to have to navigate this new reality in your life that you never thought you would have to navigate that you are actually going to be up to the task. You are going to be able to navigate everything that you need to navigate. Why? Because Mary, nothing is impossible with God. Like not, that statement is not just God can do anything for you. 
which is usually the way we talk about nothing's impossible, God. God can do all of this stuff for you. That's not what the angel is saying. It's not just God can do all this stuff for you. It's Mary. God can do all this stuff in you. God can do all this stuff through you. Like nothing is impossible. Yes, it's, it's not impossible that you'll have a child as a virgin, but more than that even, you are gonna be able to navigate through everything that you need to navigate through. You are gonna be up to the task. You're gonna be able to accomplish everything that God is wanting you to accomplish in this season, in this moment, because nothing, Mary, nothing, Mary, is impossible for God. Nothing is impossible for God. Sometimes we're paralyzed by fear, when we face circumstances that are completely and totally overwhelming. Things like raising a child with special needs or dealing with uh, a chronic illness or grieving the loss of a loved one or restoring a relationship that's gotten sideways or restoring a relationship that's been broken in some way or digging out of years of debt or healing from an abusive situation or relationship or breaking an addiction or or not finding our identity in our performance or not finding our identity in our looks or in our possessions or whatever it is and God says the same thing to us that he said to Mary don't be afraid like don't be afraid you are up to the task you are going to be able to accomplish everything that God is wanting to accomplish through your life. You're going to be able to navigate through all of this messy stuff that you're now having to navigate through in the midst of this reality that you didn't necessarily see coming. You're going to be able to navigate through all of this. Why? Because nothing is impossible with God. Nothing is impossible with God. So you will be up to the task. Some of you need to hear that today. You will be up to the task. You will be able to navigate through this. You will be able to accomplish what God is wanting to accomplish in your life in this really, really tough season where it feels like you can't accomplish it because nothing is impossible with God. That's what he's reminding Mary of. He says, don't be afraid. That's the same thing that Paul says when he proclaims in Philippians 4.13. I can do all things. And he's talking about all the things that God wants him to do. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. Paul came to the realization that Mary came to. It's the same realization that God wants all of us who follow Jesus to come to. When God calls us to do the unimaginable, when God calls us to do that which we never thought that we would be in the midst of having to navigate through and do, when God puts us in that place, when we find ourselves in that place, God will make a way. God will equip us with the power and the peace that we need to live out his calling in our lives, even though it's living out his calling in the midst of a set of circumstances we never wanted to be in. Now look at Mary's response to the angel's declaration. 
angel declares, Mary, nothing is impossible with God. You are up to the task. You can navigate through this. You can uh, accomplish the thing that God is wanting to accomplish in your life. All, nothing is impossible with God. And this is how Mary responds. I am the Lord's servant. May it be to me as you have said. I'm the Lord's servant. May it be to me as you have said. This is an act of surrender on Mary's part. This is Mary saying, I am willing to embrace all of this. I, I'm, in, I, I'm, willing, I'm willing to surrender. I'm willing to embrace all of this. I'm willing to embrace the role of an unwed mother living on the edge of poverty. I'm willing to be rejected by others. I'm willing to be disgraced. I'm willing to be ostracized. I'm willing to go through or go down a more difficult path than I ever thought that I would have to go down. I'm even willing to lose Joseph. She thought at this moment that, all, that one of the ramifications of all this is that she definitely was going to lose Joseph. That, def, that Joseph was definitely not going to understand the circumstances surrounding her pregnancy and that she was going to lose him. She had no idea that an angel of the Lord was also appearing to Joseph and letting him know everything that's going on. But in this moment, she doesn't know. In the moment of this declaration, when she says, may it be to me as you have said, she is convinced she's probably going to lose all of that. Now, here's the thing I want you to notice about Mary's act of surrender. Her act of acceptance in this moment. I want you to notice that at the moment that Mary surrenders, there is no overwhelming sense of joy anywhere in the text. Like you can read it any way that you want, any voice inflection you want. Like there is no sense of joy anywhere in the text. She just kind of matter-of-factly says, I'm the Lord's servant, may it be to me as you have said. Yay. You know, like there's not like there's like there's nothing, there's no tagline there. There's no like uh, sense of joy there. There's no like I'm excited about it there. It's just like, may it be to me as you have said. Like I'm the servant of the Lord. I'm the servant of the Lord. Like how many times have you gotten to maybe that point where like you sensed that God was calling you to do something, to give something, to let something go, and, and that was like what was in your heart. Well, I'm the Lord's servant. May it be to me, as you have said. Not happy about it, not excited about it, not what I necessarily want to do, but I am willing to be obedient in this moment of my life. Like for Mary, like you, you don't get any sense that there's any joy. Just a, a willingness in this moment to surrender. Just a willingness to say yes. Now, here's the thing. If you know the story, and some of you are familiar with the story, if you know the story, 
you know that there is this sense of overwhelming joy that is coming. Like if you know the joy, you know that it doesn't actually happen at this point, but it happens later when she visits her relative Elizabeth, who is pregnant with John, John the Baptist. It's when she sees Elizabeth that Mary breaks out into this magnificent song. Like the joy doesn't come in the moment of surrender. The joy comes later from that moment of surrender. In other words, she is not filled with joy at the moment she surrenders her life and her future to God, but it's her willingness to surrender that life and that future that eventually leads to the joy. It's her willingness to put herself in the yes position to God that eventually leads to joy. Here's the big point. If you want to experience joy, don't pursue joy. If you want to experience true joy in your life, don't pursue joy. The pursuit of joy will never lead to joy. Why? Because when you pursue joy, you become disappointed and disillusioned when you surrender yourself to God and things don't immediately go your way. When you say yes to God and things don't immediately work out the way that you thought they would work out because you said yes to God. Because you surrendered yourself to God. When you pursue joy, the motives behind what you're doing and why you're doing it get all screwed up. They get all messed up. When you pursue joy, you will become focused on yourself rather than focused on God and focused on others. The pursuit of joy will never lead to joy. Surrender is the true path to joy. The path to true joy is being willing to say, I am the Lord's servant. May it be to me as you have said. The path to true joy is being willing to say, Father, not my will, but your will be done. The path to true joy is being in the yes position to God. I ended last week's message uh, with a prayer. And I've written another prayer that I want to end this message with and invite you, if you resonate with the prayer, to pray the prayer silently with me. You don't even have to close your eyes. You know, God, opening your eyes does not cancel out the effectiveness of your prayer. Like, you can keep your eyes open and it's okay. Like, God still hears our prayers. And so I, I just want to read this prayer that I've written for this weekend and this particular passage and this particular message that I think God is giving us in his word. And as I read it, if, if you begin to resonate with it, make it your own. Make it your own declaration to God, your own prayer to God. God, I acknowledge my fears to you today. Like Mary... Sometimes I wonder 
if I am up to the task. I wonder if I will be able to navigate everything that I'm being asked to navigate. I wonder if I will be able to accomplish the things that that you have called me to accomplish. When I'm filled with fear, remind me that nothing is impossible with you. Remind me that I can do all the things you have called me to do through your strength and not my own. God, like Mary, I surrender myself to you today. May I find my joy not in the pursuit of joy, but in the pursuit of you. Whatever it is that you want to do in my life, I say yes. I say yes to you as Savior and Lord. I say yes to your forgiveness. I say yes to what you did for me on the cross in dying for my sin. And like Mary, I say yes to your calling on my life. Even when it's scary. Even when I don't fully understand everything you are doing. I still say yes. In Jesus' name I pray. God, hear the prayers of your people today. Hear the prayers of surrender. Hear the prayers of being willing to say yes to you. Hear the prayers of Believing truly that nothing is impossible with you. Not just in what you can do for us, but what you can do through us and with us. Hear our prayer today. In the name of Jesus. Thank you so much for listening to the Fairfax Church podcast. You can find more messages like this on our YouTube channel at Fairfax Church or follow us here. If you were blessed by the message and resources provided, feel free to leave us a review.